somebody important to us, whether it be a father, a brother, because of blood cancers, and out of that has become something so beautiful. I still look at it as way that I can do something that people say, look what he's doing, I'm on that train. Welcome to Miles for Change. I'm your host, Jen DeSalvo, coaching you through the inspirational stories behind why people push their bodies and minds to their limits, all for someone else. This episode features one of the groups that started it all. It was 1988 New York. A man named Bruce Cleveland had a daughter, Georgia. She was two years old, and she had ALL. Now, treatment was successful, but Dad Bruce wanted to make a real difference. Do it in a unique way. So he was the first. He had 38 of his closest friends and family members raise over $300,000. And at the time, when it came to the New York City Marathon, there were maybe two or three other charity beneficiaries that, that existed. So this was a unique idea, and it just took off. Everyone has a why, especially when it came to team training. We were all running in honor or memory of someone. The endurance arm of the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society had exploded. It wasn't just marathons. Shorter distance races, walking events, it became triathlons, century cycle rides, climbs, even multi-day hikes across places like the Grand Canyon, from rim back up to rim. The organization reached the $1 billion mark roughly a decade ago, meaning people who for the most part were never athletes set two goals, one to finish an event, the other to raise money to find a cure. This is the story of Team in Training. over 650,000 teammates have gone through this program. We still have more. We have like five to 6,000 last year alone that, that became team training teammates, which is great considering last year at this time, we didn't know if we were going to have events. Yeah, we still we still have people coming to us and supporting us. And I think it's it's our results as an organization. You know that if you're fundraising for us, you know your dollars are going to go to good work. Stephanie Carlson is a team in training alum, an ultra runner, and... My role is I'm the vice president for athletic initiatives. And within the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, athletic initiatives covers team in training. Team in training is its unique thing where we help participants train for a specific race that we don't own. So we partner with race partners like the Chicago Marathon, like New York City Marathon, Walt Disney World. So we're bringing um, participants to that race and we're making sure that they're ready for the race by providing the coaching, by providing the, you know, training plans. And then during the race, we, you know, provide as much support as we can. We're on the course cheering for them. Coaches are kind of out there making sure that they cross the finish line. So when I joined the board at LLS, one of the first documents I saw was a vision of a world without cancer and it, it had a kind of a short-term timeline on it and I thought eh, this isn't really all that realistic to me I just I, the technologies weren't there it was very aspirational but it wasn't very very realistic this is Scott Sachs he works in advocacy for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society of Illinois but today sitting here in May of 2022 I will tell you I do believe in my lifetime we will see a cure uh, and that cure may not be what we've thought of cures as in the past, that you know nobody will get it, people still get diagnosed. But some of them will be able to prevent 
Some of them will be a retreat with a pill. Some of them will be a targeted immunotherapy or therapy like you know, our T-cell uh, treatments. But we will find a cure. And mind you, there is no one blood cancer. We've got hundreds of types of blood cancer. This isn't an easy task, but we're getting closer and closer every day. And technology is driving us in that way. Uh, we're seeing advances today that I never would have dreamed of before. Um, it's, it is, it's a... As our CEO, Dr. Lewis, said before, there's never a good time to get cancer, but it's a great time to be treated. This is the time right now. Dr. Jen Rychek is a pediatric oncologist at Lurie Children's Hospital in Chicago. You may remember her from back in our second episode featuring Camp One Step, the sleepaway camp where children fighting cancer can just have a normal kid experience. I met Dr. Jen through team and training in roughly 2009. And your story is totally like a charity marathon runner. <laughs> like, I'm not a runner, but I'm going to do this for somebody else. And then it ends up happening in their whole life and their whole world has changed. Right. And so, you, go ahead. That's how I got into to running marathons. Yeah. When did you start doing that? Hmm. Well, I moved to Chicago in August of 2008, and the city was already getting excited about the Chicago Marathon. And I had been a casual runner. So as a kid, I had really bad asthma and I ran on my high school cross country team, but my mile time was like 10 minute miles. So I would finish a cross country race in about 30 minutes because I really couldn't breathe. Um, but I always ran for stress reduction. Okay. So like if I had an English paper to write, I couldn't think of what to write. So I'd go on a run and I'd figure it out. And I wasn't fast and it wasn't pretty, but it was helpful to me. Um, and when I went to med school, I stopped dancing. So I was performing all the way up until I went to medical school. Um, and then I went to medical school and I was a little bit busy. So I stopped dancing, but I could always run, yeah. you know, because even if you only have a couple hours, you can still run. Um, so I moved to Chicago and I had taken a month between the end of my fellowship and the beginning of my job. And I'd been doing a bunch of running in Philly and I moved to Chicago and I see all these signs and I thought, wow, I've always wanted to see if I could run a marathon because for a while I was running a half marathon because I had a crazy dog who just really needed to run. <laughs> and she was happy after we ran 30 miles. Um, and I thought, well, it's August and the marathon's in October and I've been running six miles a day. And then I was like, you're an idiot. You're over 40. You can't just run a marathon if you're running six miles a day. So like tone it down. You're not going to run the marathon in 2008 in three months. Um, but I got a postcard in the mail. And, and I also had no idea about how to train for a marathon. And I got this postcard in the mail. And it was from the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society's team in training. And it said, hey, want to run a marathon? We will teach you how. We will provide you with a training plan. We will provide you with coaches. Um, there's this new marathon happening down in Champaign-Urbana in April, and you will give you the entry fee. You just have to raise money. And I thought, well, that's amazing because I don't know what I'm doing. I'd love to have somebody tell me what to do. And also, I won't feel so selfish when I'm taking all this time to run because I'm raising money for a charity that will take care of the patients that I take care of. And it was perfect. So I joined team and training. I also knew that like my first winter in Chicago was going to be brutal because I really need to be able to be outside. And I was terrified of the weather in Chicago. Um, 
and it was very helpful to have a sense of responsibility and accountability to meet up with people every Saturday morning along the lakefront path. And I incredible community of runners and good humans who were running to help people with blood cancers. And everybody had their own story. You know, everybody was there for a reason. That's how we met. We met through LLS. Yes. Um, some of my my best friends have been made through team and training. And it was amazing. And it kept me coming back for years and years and years. And then got me to agree to be on the board of directors and really be involved with the Leukemia Lymphoma Society since 2009. Um even though in my day job on the outpatient side, I don't really take care of kids with leukemia and lymphoma anymore. I do when I'm on the inpatient side and I do in my survivorship clinic. Um, but it was a really amazing experience and it helped me through that race, which was really tough and frustrating to me because in my head, I should have been able to run it in a certain pace and I couldn't. And when I really wanted to give up, I was like, you know what? The kids you take care of can't give up. They don't have a choice. You have a choice and you paid for this marathon and you need to finish it. But the kids you take care of don't have a choice. They have to keep going. Um, and so you need to shut up and keep going too. I didn't realize how the same it was because it was early 2008, maybe like 2007. I think it was early 2008. Yeah, it was like maybe February that I got that postcard. And like I had told my mom not long before that I, I was struggling with my dog who passed away from lymphoma. You know, I lived on my own with him, my first job. And and all of a sudden I, I told my mom one day, you know, I would just run again if I had a team. If I, if I had a coach like I had in high school across country and it was like the next day that that postcard came and it was like puck or, you know, divine intervention saying, go do this for somebody else. Yeah. And yeah, those were the years. Those were the years yeah. that we all met each other. Yeah. And did all sorts of crazy stuff. We traveled together. We did Ragnar together. We did all sorts of things. Yeah. We ran when there wasn't a team, you know, because we liked each other and wanted to keep going. Yeah, we still do that kind of. Yes, we do. Um, did you go to an informational session where somebody, because Julianne was the person speaking at my informational session? I think she was speaking at mine too. And oh I my. was terrified. I walked into this place. Um, it was like a bike store that's on the corner of Damon and Clybourne and Diversity, sort of where that Costco is. Oh, yeah. It's not there anymore, but I know what you're talking about. Right. And I remember walking down there and feeling so out of place and like, oh, my God, how can I possibly do this? All these people look so in shape and know what they're doing. And I have no idea. My name is David Mutnick. I am the chair of the board of trustees for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society here in Illinois. And I run for my father, Brian, my mother, Carol, also a cancer survivor. And I just want to see a world without cancer. How long have you been involved with the LLS? I got involved in late in 2012. My father was diagnosed with lymphoma hmm. and I needed an outlet. I needed something to do. Just try to make a the most out of a very tough situation. And the day I found out he was sick, I wasn't a runner, but I happened just to go out for a run to clear my head. I don't know why. I feel like 
I had run the Shamrock Shuffle that year, so I was like, just something to do. So I just, like my wife said, just get out of the house. So yeah, I just went for a run. So when I, when I got back right then and there, I said, I'm going to go run a race for my dad. And he had blood cancer, you know, so I had heard of Leukemia Lymphoma Society and team and training. So I literally called them up that afternoon and said, hi, uh, my name's Dave. My dad's sick. I want to run a race. Hmm. And uh, so that started this journey that, you know, has taken me from not runner to uh, to not a runner to a runner to a board member and, and LLS just becoming a huge part of my life and running. Uh, mm-hmm. become a huge part of my life. A big um, theme that I do hear from people who are charity runners is that I'm not a runner. I'm not a runner. I'm not a runner. Or they'll say it to me. I'm not a runner like you. And we all have the same origin story. Ten years later, are you a runner? I mean, I think I was for a little while. Maybe, maybe not now <laughs> anymore. But there, there were a few years where I, I trained enough to be considered a runner. And I guess I I had all the uh, the pains and the sense, <laughs> the smells to be a runner. Today, I'd like to think... I'd like to think that I, I'm uh, in a certain percentile of, of people, but um, I never did it to run. I never, I never did this. Running, run, running was a, a, a means to, to raise funds for LOS and bring awareness and to give my father the strength he needed when he went through his treatments. I'm very happy to say he's, he's seven years cancer free now. Oh. Um, he had a, he had a very tough, time a very tough treatment he has lingering health problems but he is cancer free so so that's the bright side but when i first started doing this you, you know what it's like when when people donate they they put a little comment i made it very clear why i was doing this and my, my dad's story and what was going on and the comments that were aimed at me but also aimed at him truly gave him that strength while he was doing that and the pride he hadn't seen his son do this he, he says it made all the difference in the world and got him through it we had this connection. He owned uh, a couple of sneaker stores, uh, sneaker stores, you know, back in the, in the eighties, early nineties on Long Island. And he would run buses for his clients to the New York city marathon. And, and as a kid, he would take me, I would, I would be six, seven, eight years old, hop on the bus, go to Staten Island, drop off the runners. We'd watch them start the race, the cannon, everyone run over the Verrazano bridge. And then we drive to central park and wait. So, so I was around this my whole life growing up. And so we had that. My dad ran a little bit when he was younger. We had that connection to running mm-hmm. and that connection to each other. So in a, in a, in a roundabout way, I, I, I know it went off a little tangent. Am I a runner? Maybe maybe it's been in there the whole my whole life. And, uh, and this is what it took to take it out. But I, I still look at it as, as a way that I can do something that people say, look at, look what he's doing. I'm on that train. Uh, I'm Mark Gregory and I run for a cure. Coach Mark has been a staple in the Chicagoland team for two decades. He has coached thousands of non-runners turned marathon finishers, and he's the guy who has it all together. He knows how to fundraise. He's brought in hundreds of thousands of dollars to the organization, and he also makes things pretty fun for us. We have to run 16 miles? Cool. Coach pops up his griddle and makes us pancakes. 18? No prob. Permit for the fire pit at the Forest Preserve secured and s'mores at the finish. 20 miles, awesome. Here's a peanut butter and jelly pizza. And just like the rest of us, Mark didn't predict this was going to be in his life. In fact, he didn't even run until he was in his 40s. I was uh, 
playing soccer at the YMCA and it was a 18 and over co-ed league. And, and at the time I was already in my mid forties. And when we were playing, all these younger people were 30 and younger. Yeah, they would be much further from the ball than I'd be, but they could get to it quicker. <laughs> so I just thought, man, I need to get some speed and some endurance. So one afternoon I decided, well, I'm gonna go for a run. And, and I did, I think two miles and it, it really was a struggle. Yeah. But I, I kept at it and my brother, younger brother who had been a runner, he said, hey, we're gonna, we're going to run a 5K this weekend. Would you like to join us? And I thought, well, it'd be kind of fun. I beat my younger brother. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and, and, I, and I thought, Hey, this is this is pretty neat. That summer, I, I ran a lot of five Ks and a few ten Ks, and and I got faster and faster, and I, it was a good feeling. So you mean to tell me that you were not a runner before your forties? No, I was not. I played soccer, but I I did not go out to run just to run. How do you think that that changed how you went into your later forties, your fifties, taking yeah. that first step and starting to run? It definitely give you some positive, you know, thoughts, you know, and good imaging because, you know, I gained a little bit of weight, you know, so I, I was able to shed that, you know, with with a, not a whole lot of effort. I mean, certainly losing weight's not an easy thing to do, but mm -hmm. then you just feel better all around. You feel healthier and uh, you get a little bit better perspective for yourself. So, yeah. Okay. So how did you come to find team and training? I came to team training after the first year I was, uh, like I said, ran a lot of 5Ks and some 10Ks. And, and I thought, well, I'd like to have a little bit bigger challenge and run a half marathon. And I thought, what? Well, Indianapolis was where I grew up as a kid. They had the Indy Mini there. My brother with his wife has run that before. And as well as even my dad, who who had been a runner for, you know, in his later years. Mm -hmm. So I tried to sign up and the event was closed already. And this was in December of the year before the race started in 2004. But I was kind of bummed and I thought, well, what am I going to do? And I was reading Runner's World and it mentioned uh, charity groups, nonprofits, and how you can get in and get trained and, you know, run a marathon or half marathon mm -hmm. and raise money for, you know, someone or, or a group. It also mentioned in there that if an event was closed, chances were charities would have a, an opening that you could get into. So I followed up with team and train at that time. And that's how I got started. I thought it was a perfect thing because when I was reading about the uh, leukemia form of team training mm -hmm. mentioned, of course, the blood cancers. And my mom had passed away from leukemia when she was only 38. So I thought, you know, the run in her memory and running in Indianapolis where we used to live, you know, run with them blocks where we used to live when we were a kid with, was ideal. So that's how I got started team training. I think a lot of us um, <clears throat> got started in the same way. And it's not something that probably at that point in time was top of mind for you. You can tell me if I'm wrong when it comes to equating your mom and what you had gone through to running a race until that connection was made from from somewhere outside. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then how did you feel 
Did you feel like it was divine intervention or that like mom was sending yeah, well, you? Yeah, I, I really thought that, you know, it was uh, like uh, God led me down this particular path. You know, I mean, uh, now I'm approaching 20 years with this. I just, there's no way I would have phantomed that I would have, have done this this long or been so dedicated to it. What was the first race that you signed up for with the LLS? Was it the Chicago Marathon or was it Disney? It was Disney. Okay. Uh, so, so it was the Disney, it was the 2013 Disney Half Marathon. Um, I figured I'm di- uh, <laughs> the world to hear I'm a Disney fanatic, uh, yes. as I know you are. Ditto. Um, and I love going there. And I said, how am I going to run this far? And I figured Disney, you run through the parks and I'd be like, oh, I'd be distracted and just looking around and the, and the characters and the music and the rides around you. So so I, I picked Disney, which it's a January race. So training in the fall and winter in Chicago, not ideal, especially for your first race. I went down there and it was just, <laughs> no pun intended, a magical experience. But the entire weekend being with the with the team, with LOS yeah. and how many people are there. And of course, Disney has the 5K, the 10K, the half and the full. So you, you really get all these different runners and skill levels and, you know, people that are charity runners that, you know, they mm-hmm. want to do a 5K. So it really was just, just an incredible weekend. And, uh, and I was hooked. We need to talk a little bit about Pops Warriors <laughs> and the whole Disney, you know, like tradition now. Yeah. So I ran that first race and, and before I met a lot of the team, because I trained by myself here, I, I hadn't joined the Illinois Chicago team yet. Right. Okay. Because that I wasn't running Chicago. So I got down there pretty much alone with my family. I had, I had a mentor, I had the coaching, but I didn't know a lot of people. And I, I'll say this, you know, we have the inspiration dinner the night before the race mm-hmm. on that Friday night, my father during the program you know, they're showing all these people and, and, and the sad stories and the good stories. And my father turned to me and he, he had tears in his eyes and he said, I can't believe so many people are here to help people like me. And, and that was my first taste of the power of team and LOS and what the organization does, what all, all the team members and, and the staff, what it means to actual patients. Saw it firsthand. So wanted to come back. Like I said, I was like, my wife had different plans. She's like, uh, come on, like you did your race, you raised your money. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's, let's try something else. And, uh, and I was like, no, I really want to do it. And, and of course she, she knows how, you know, she's very charitable herself. So she, she said, okay, go for it. So, so I went back in 2014. Now 2014 was my first marathon. Uh, I didn't want to run that, uh, <laughs> but a very generous family member said, uh, uh, hey, what's with this uh, half marathon BS? And I'm like, uh, look at me. <laughs> and I'm like, that's that's what I can do. And he's like, come on, you know, you're gonna ask for money again for another half marathon? I said, yeah, come on. You, what's it gonna take? Give me a number. <laughs> I said, there's no number. Yeah. He goes, how much did you raise last year? And I, raised, I said, I raised about ten grand. Wow. He goes, uh, make a deal. You run the full marathon. I will double whatever you raise this year. Oh my gosh. And how can you say no to that? How can, no. how can anyone say no to that for charity? I didn't, you know, at that point. So that was it. I'm signed up for the full marathon now. So I go down there and now I'm, uh, I'm running my first marathon. My father's still in treatment. He, of course, says, I'm not missing my son's first race marathon. Uh, and he was there despite his doctor saying, stay home. And I ran that marathon and put up a great time. So I was a runner for that one, sub four hours. 
What? So four hours for the first race, 3.59 of like 50, <laughs> including stops to take pictures with all the princesses. What? Wait, what? <sighs> That's so unfair. I, well, Great I trained job. I, I trained religiously. I, okay. I, had, I literally, I went and got Hal Higdon's horse, you know, and ran mm-hmm. a, a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, long run Saturday, religiously, like did not miss anything. All the, uh, the nutrition stuff, all that stuff. So, so I went down there for that and again, addicted to it, the team and all that. So mm-hmm. I come back from that. Now we're in January, 2014. All I want is more. So that's when I joined the Chicago team to run the 2014 Chicago marathon with team. I said, now I'm just running. You know, I signed up. I'm not sure if that's the year we met, but certainly all, all the famous teammates that we have and all the people we love, they were around. And, uh, this, I, this gang became such a, a big part of my life and the friendships I made. And this is the point where Mutnick and I go off on a tangent about Pops Warriors, the many people across the nation who run for the team, the hundreds of thousands of dollars they've raised over the years for cancer research. And because of that, the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society gives you the opportunity to name a research grant after somebody who you love who has gone through cancer. And I'll make sure this whole story, it's super cool, very interesting. I'll pop it up after this episode. But Back to Dave. Now, there's a goal, though. You were talking about the grant, and that's not something that I've touched on yet with anybody that I've talked to at the LLS. Can you explain the whole fundraising situation yeah. in the grant? So, look, you raise $5, you raise $5,000, you raise $50,000. It's all, it's, it's money that is making a difference. Mm-hmm. So every single dollar is important. But one of the incentives they have for these community teams is if you raise $100,000 as a team, they will assign a research grant under your name. LLS has these research grants, and you, you can, it'll be in the name. You, you choose who it's in the name. So they wanted to do it for those two, those two gentlemen, that, that the captain's fathers. It meant so much to them to, to, to get to that point and name it. And, I, and I, I know what that means to them because – there's other LLS programs that I've been involved with since. Mm-hmm. One's called Man Woman of the Year, where, where it's a 10-week program. You raise money, and at the end, whoever raised the most. And there, if you raise you know, a certain amount of money, you also get this. And I was able to get that and name a research grant after my aunt and uncle, who both passed from cancers. So having that patent and following the work that it's assigned with it is just it's just really special. So that was something they, they had worked for for years trying to get to that level. And they just could, they were too small a team, like raise a hundred grand. It's not easy. So as the team got bigger, we were able to get there. And that first year that they did it and they went up to accept that award. And, and they say, we're naming this after these guys, pop pops and, and skip um, naming it after them was just what it meant for our captains who had worked so hard to put this team together and steady the ship <laughs> for lack of a better term. It, it, it was fantastic. You know, that's our goal every year now is to get there or to be one of the top teams. And it's, we don't need the recognition at this point. We don't, it's not, that's not what it's about. We just want to add a pride, like knowing what that, those funds do for people. You know, I, I always say like LOS literally is funding cures for cancer, like mm-hmm. programs that we've funded are cures and something like 40% of all the cancer drugs in the last 20 years started as blood cancer drugs. And, you know, I, I could give you the stats where like LLS has funded like 80% of all the blood cancer drugs that have been approved in the last two or three years. It's like 25 drugs or something. There's a direct link. I say to my donors between that dollar you give to me to a cure for cancer. I say to my donors, you are the ones curing cancer. 
Uh, and so, so pops, like that's how we look at it. Like we, we try to get to these numbers because we know the impact it's having on patients and their families. And we, and we wear that on our sleeve, right? Every one of us has been touched by cancer, everyone. And not every story is a happy ending. Like my father's a happy ending. You know what it's like? You're, you're at the race, you're talking to someone. Oh, uh, who are you running for? Oh, my dad, he's a blood cancer survivor. He's doing great. How about you? Oh, I, I lost my, my, my son when he was six. I, I mean, it's well enough. It's heartbreaking. But those, those people, they're there or, you know, they lose someone. They're like, no, no, it's okay. They're like, no, no, that's why we're here. That's why we, it's okay. We're going to do something about it. So no one else has to go through this. And that's, again, I keep saying the power of the team. And, you know, I know here in Chicago, one of the top fundraisers for the entire Chicago Marathon, if not the top fundraiser, is a woman on our team and she's a board member of LMS and she had lost her sister and has made it her mission to, to honor her sister in this way. And you see that commitment and you see we could all, we we're all touched in a different way, but came to this common goal and common organization and that and it brings us together. I always say that all of my best friends who are now my family, um, we would have never met if we didn't lose somebody that we loved to cancer. And uh, through these awful tragedies, like the best gift was given from those people that we lost. And that was the gift of each other because we yeah. built these beautiful friendships. A hundred percent. And like, you know, we have teammates that are going through obviously their own cancer journeys. And like, I know what it means to them that as a team, we rally behind them. You know, it's, it's, I'm sitting here thinking of all these, it's all flashing before my eyes and all these people and, and knowing what many of them have gone through. But at the end of the day, like if you're not able to take these horrible things and turn them into a positive, it's just It'll just eat you up from the inside. It's not easy. And, I, and like, I, I'm saying, oh, oh, you're going through this? Just go run a race or raise my, like, of course it's not easy. Of course there's grief. Of course there's these feelings on the inside and you just want to dig a hole and climb in it sometimes or not even get out of it. But having something and a goal to help you get through it, that's how I started this. That's the gift of this. And it's not just LOS. There's so many amazing charities out there. Yeah, this, this happens to be what affected my family the most and a big the organization that, that I felt was right for me, but you go to the Chicago Marathon, any marathon, but Chicago, and you go to Charity Row when you're, when you're running, there's so many groups that are out there doing this great work. And so many people have made a commitment, putting their body on the line and their time and the training and months of training to help others. I, I, I say to people, whatever is important to you, there's an organization out there that will, that you can run with and make that commitment and, you know, make a difference. So team alone has brought in a billion dollars in revenue to the organization, which is a huge number. I mean, we think about that. And for anybody who's who's raised money with team and training, you know, nobody's asking. For, well, some people are asking for big, you know, multi-comma checks. But I mean, you're thinking of friends and family who are giving you five, 10, 20, 50, 100 dollars. So to raise a billion dollars by 100 dollar donations, there's a lot of zeros there. Um, that's a huge accomplishment. And overall, between team and all of our other events at LLS, uh, all the fundraising that we do, we've put well over a billion dollars into research funding uh, over the years. So the, the money keeps paying it forward. Um, and what's great about our research programs today is we've built such a stellar reputation in the industry amongst partners in the for-profit world that when we target something, when we invest in something, we don't have to invest billions into a single thing. We spread that out into the areas that we believe that there's a, a hope, and we're seeing uh, industry follow our investments and really driving these uh, technologies forward. Make it easy, right? The team is, you know, it's 
it's bigger than it sounds, right? It's four letters, team, but it is a universe of people um, from coaches to um, patients to fundraisers to staff to volunteers to friends to everybody. Like there's this massive organization behind you that even if you've never run a 5K before, they're going to help you every step of the way. They make not only the training to make sure that you safely complete your marathon, but can raise the money and I gotta say, everybody who's ever been involved in team stays involved in team in some way. I mean, it is—it's like a family, and it's—it uh, is one of the coolest things that we do. It's one of those things that just brings everybody together. And there is nothing more spectacular than seeing that sea of purple out there, raising money, raising awareness, and running a marathon. I'm Scott Sachs, and I am the state leader of advocacy in Illinois for the Leukemia Lymphoma Society. Basically, you know, the, the structure of, uh, of the Office of Public Policy for LLS is, you know, managed by the organization. We've got a great team of people in Washington, but it's volunteer run. I run the volunteer organization for the state of Illinois. I've got a great group of advocates that work with me, uh, and we're responsible for bringing about change here in Illinois and uh, sometimes at the federal level, too. 22 years that I've been involved with LLS. Uh, my volunteer experience is a little, you know, so I'm fundraising in some way and being involved, you know, over that period of time. But I got um, involved on committees probably 20, you know, 19, 20 years ago. And um, I have pretty much held every volunteer role that this organization has in that period of time. So I've served on committees. I've been a fundraiser. I'm certainly a donor. Um, I served on the board for a number of years. I served on a national board. Um, I've worked on their strategic planning committees, uh, and now I'm involved in advocacy. And uh, I get the joy, too, of hosting fundraising events as well. If you've ever done work with uh, state legislature, legislatures, uh, there's no such thing as average. You know, it's funny because we're talking about this today. I, my description of advocacy has always been that advocacy is a marathon. It's not a sprint. Uh, because it's, it is this long-term play and it's about building relationships and it's about reacting to the things that are happening kind of outside of our control, right? On any given year, this is a perfect year. Uh, you know, in Illinois, the legislative session this year was shortened. Um, COVID delays, um, there's an election this year. So there's all kinds of things that happen that gave us a short period of time. And we never know what the legislative priorities are necessarily going to be. So this was one of those weird years that, you know, we're much more reactive. Um, but last year, while, you know, still a weird COVID year, um, we were actually able to pass something that had been in the making for more than eight years. Something that we're still working on even at the federal level, Medicare patients, for example, even though, you know, they have co-pays, Medicare requires a payment kind of of that co-pay up front. So imagine being a cancer patient with a drug that costs thousands of dollars at any given month. When you get that first month's prescription, you might have to pay that in full. So three, four, five, seven, ten thousand dollars out of pocket in January. Um, most people can't afford that. So one of the bills we're working on at a federal level is looking at, okay, making, first off, capping that to something that really is affordable for somebody. And then what we're calling smoothing. So instead of paying the lump sum of, you know, three, four, five thousand dollars in January, spread that out over 12 equal payments to make sure that patients can afford their medications, that they're not stopping treatment because it's unaffordable and they're not skipping, you know, pills or we want to make sure that all the money that we've put into research, all the great movement that we've had in technology and medical advances that is now affordable for people to actually take advantage of and live their lives. Five years ago, so I was living in Chicago overnight, literally, I was diagnosed with leukemia. My name is Marty Hogan. I would say my most important title is uh, I am Clark Phoebe and Shaw's dad and I'm Whitney's husband. I was diacnosed with leukemia, uh, so ALL acute lymphoblastic leukemia 
and my prognosis was not great. And so my initial treatment was a long hospital stay initially, you know, kind of in an isolation room for my induction chemo for over a month. And then once they kind of let me out, into the world, then I had to go back, you know, pretty much Monday to Friday for for daily treatments. And my chemo plan fortunately lasted three and a half years. And I, I say fortunately because most people don't get to go through with the whole thing because they don't make it. I was one of the fortunate ones, but most people are not. So I was lucky to be able to do that uh, and to be able to get through it. And my ultimate goal was to be around to walk Clark to kindergarten, right? Because my five-year prognosis was not great and i was thinking five years down the road that's going to be when right around when he's going to kindergarten he has his first day of kindergarten in september and so i want to walk him to kindergarten that that's it 